is it sexism when we have no barriers today? So we can we Who can pick what no we want to pick. Who doesn't have barriers? Women don't don't have barriers. I'm, women, yeah. What, what's we stopping you? We have no you? barriers. You can do whatever you want. Uh, I can you? or you can. What's stopping you? Welcome, everybody. I'm Liz Landers. I'm Vice News' chief political correspondent, and we are here today to talk about some of the biggest issues dividing women across the country. In other words, we're here to talk about feminism. First, I just want to say we know we can't represent everybody's views, but we did try our best to bring together a diverse group of women today. In today's polarized world, is feminism dead? I saw your hand. I think that depends on the definition of feminism. <laughs> I strongly think that feminism is more of an action than an identity. I would say it's uplifting all women, in which case it's very alive. At the same time, um, if we do follow that definition, feminism has splintered off into so many different areas that you can look at um, people like Sheryl Sandberg who say you should just get another nanny if you feel oppressed. And if we're talking <laughs> about that kind of feminism, um, yeah, it's pretty dead. Yeah, I mean... As long as the human race exists, feminism, feminism will never be dead. There's something that we're really going to have to strive and work, work towards um, to make sure that there's equality. So feminism is not dead. I don't know that it can die. As long as there's power and oppression, there will be people fighting for equity. And um, until that somehow goes away, feminism is alive and well. I think feminism um, isn't actually about equality. It's about equality when it benefits us. I think feminism... It's really about women wanting special privileges and treatment at the expense of men often. And I think it's alive and well, sadly. I think feminism is also alive and well. Um, there are different kinds of feminism, right? Like, that is obvious. Um, and I, for me, as, as a womanist, as a black feminist, right, as someone who's really thinking about human rights, dignity, right, equity, Right, as long as that's not, that need isn't met, we're still gonna keep fighting. I'd say it's alive and well. I'd say that it's also very nuanced and I think what it looks like is gonna differ depending on where you are in the world. For me, I just see it as a lens, which isn't necessarily antagonistic or uh, protagonistic. It's just a useful tool. Similar to what Pearl just said, I find that a lot of feminist ideology and thought today feels more of like a supremacist movement rather than something that is supposed to be advancing the goals of equality. I don't think that we can really term what's going on as feminism because it looks so different to, I think, the earlier feminist movements. So in that way, I would say it's taken its last breaths of life. It's dying. Yeah, I definitely think um, it's getting more and more radicalized, for sure. So it's it's definitely still alive. I think I'll preface and say that I don't know so much about modern Western feminism, and there might be a lot of terms that I don't know, like political jargon and stuff. But I believe in the advancement of women, whoever considers themselves a woman. Uh, I think there's a deficiency in society. So it's deeply rooted that um, feminism has always existed. 
I think America's a little obsessed with themselves and it's like always feminism is rooted in America <laughs> and like, oh, white women started it. And it's kind of offensive because for thousands of years, women have been dying for their rights. I think as a black woman specifically, uh, when you talk about feminism, yeah, the mainstream first thing you think about is a certain type of feminism that tends to exclude still, even today, even with intersectional fem feminism, exclude um, African-American women. And it's always kind of done that. And also like, upper middle class white women has predominantly been the face of what we quote unquote consider feminism. I think feminism is attempting to say, okay, the first thing we agree on is that there are barriers and friction to what I need and what I want based on the fact that I'm a woman. What it ignores is that, and what privilege is, is that you may not have to think that being a woman and being a black woman and being a black woman who has a disability, for example, impacts you further. You have more barriers, you have more friction, you are less able to get what you want. You're undervalued in a way that's like, okay, well, you know, that's life. That's what I mean by equity and that we're able to, without friction, all get the same needs met. Yeah, um, yep. Yeah, see, I disagree with that. I think life is easier if you're a girl, um, actually. Yeah, I, think, I think there's, there's a lot advantage. of benefits um, <laughs> that men don't have. I'm, I'm not gonna speak anything to race. I'm just talking about gender specifically. It's usually like an excuse. Like, honestly, I think as a girl, you have equal opportunity in the world. I think there's benefits. Like, for example, we have quotas for women in specific jobs that are given to us that aren't given to men. So yeah, I would, I would say it's easier being a girl. Just from a viewpoint over here, though, it seems there's a lot of privilege, pretty privilege in what you're saying and mm -hmm. that you're white and you present. Do you think I'm pretty? Thank you. I think that you present in a way that beauty standards have accepted. And so they call me ugly on the internet all the time. They they be roasting me daily. I swear to God. I don't mean to say I think you're gorge. I just mean that there's a certain value that we give to certain bodies. To I mean, let's that. also dig into why these quotas exist and why these um, what you're calling because privileges we want exist. special treatment. Um, no, but it's because there have historically and presently in most jobs been fewer women. Mm -hmm. because of sexism. How is it sexism when we have no barriers today? So we can, we can pick what no we want to pick. doesn't have barriers? Women doesn't, don't have barriers? I'm, women, yeah. What, what's we stopping you? We have no you? barriers. You can do whatever you want. Uh, I can you? or you can. What's stopping you? As a woman, as a woman. As a woman. As a woman, See, as a woman. That ignores a lot that I'm a woman with a disability. So mm -hmm. there's a lot stopping me that you mm -hmm. don't have to think about. Well, as I said before, I'm about. speaking about women. I'm not, you're speaking I'm not, as, a, you're speaking for yourself. You're speaking as, a, as an able-bodied able -bodied woman. woman. I, I that is white. Of course, white. Of course, of course there's gonna be other barriers if you're disabled, I'm sure. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about as a woman. So you're just gonna agree. ignore white the women have it gap. easier, yes. I would agree. What? You're, you're just gonna ignore the pay gap, um, regulation over bodies. The pay gap has been well, and, and the, pay gap, the pay gap doesn't exist. Sleep, my friend. Oh my it doesn't, God, that's it's, so it's, funny. it's the industries that women pick. There, Let's talk there's, about there's it. There's a pay gap, but it's because women don't wanna do the hardest industries. I don't think it's that simple. I think like I think that's a, an oversimplification. I think the fact of the matter is that women structure their lives differently to men. Men don't give birth. Men don't have have to carry pregnancies. Men don't have to be the primary caregiver most of the time. Women also don't hold jobs for as long as men do. They often will stop and start. They'll go back into work. They'll take time off. They'll take part-time jobs. The way that men work and women work are astronomically different. And to try to say that they're comparable is, is where this issue comes from. They're not comparable. Uh, two things. First of all, um, let's dig into why they think that um, they should take these jobs, which is society, societal sexism. And then also, um, actually, all I mean, 
Department of Labor, all statistics, at least speaking in the U.S., um, have found that when compared for the same jobs, there still is a pay gap, particularly when it pertains to race. Because 60 percent of women have never asked for a raise. So how can you complain about your pay if why, you don't why ask? Are they, why are they not asking? What happens when women ask for a raise? So, Sorry. I just, sure. I've, been, yes. I've been wanting to say something, but I want to be respectful. Of, I don't, like, don't want to interrupt Do people, it. and I want to let them finish their just thoughts. jump in. Just but, you know, go through it's the just, wall. Uh, it is a very privileged label, right, to be able to say that you're feminist, right? right? And I say that because I come from a working-class background of Dominican immigrant parents. My mother would not necessarily identify as a feminist. I look to my mother, and I do think of her as a feminist. A lot of my ideas and my empowerment comes from seeing her, like, survive and put food on the table. When I'm thinking about feminism, I'm always thinking about who's not part of the conversation. What are the barriers? How do we think about equity? How do we think about self-empowerment and agency and having a voice, right, and having choice? Mm -hmm. And thinking about our basic human rights, education, access to health, uh, homes, like having bread, having food, and those things are very important, right? And they're at the crux, right, about of what a lot of us here know that we need. It's like there are the barriers, right, that we constantly ignore that are very much systemic and microaggressive, right? We see them and experience them every like day. Like what in the U.S.? So, like what? What would you like to know an example of? Some I, I know you said you said that there's like barriers. I want to know what barriers in the U.S. today as a woman. Well, as a woman or as a woman of color? Let's be specific. As a woman. I and said we as don't, a woman. Well, no, I can't answer as a woman. I just, I'm just feel like your woman, question is right? kind of hostile when you're like, I don't, I, there are no barriers to what I want. Congratulations. That means you have a privilege where you're not facing any friction and that's I mean, showing. And I feel like it's I think like as an American, I think as an American, you're very privileged. Oh, like, I mean, I'm not it, ignoring it, that. Yeah, or right, like a so. basic level of what, I mean, the feminist movement is when it comes to just being born a woman, right? Physically, pound for pound, we are born as women and we have less lean muscle mass than men. So there are issues of violence and assault and stuff like that. And so therefore, there are policies, there are things to help women physically, like, for example, I believe, being able to carry a firearm and being able to use that safely to defend yourself against men who are born naturally with more muscle mass than a woman. I keep hearing the term equity. What would in a world that, that has equity look like? Like, would it be would it be fifty percent of everyone in the same jobs? Would it be like prison fifty percent? That's equality. Fifty percent. So, yes. so, so what does equity look like? So equity is generally described as a state of fairness because historically a lot of people have been arguing for equality. But mm. what does that give us? Um, like, uh, like 0.5 of the one percent being woman. This doesn't really do anything for mm -hmm. us. Um, and so people have talked about equity instead, which is um, instead of sameness, it's fairness. Mm -hmm. And this would mean that we remove systemic barriers mm -hmm. to um, to engage in society, mm -hmm. not just for women, but also for so, everyone. So which barriers? Okay, Those barriers so, that you don't believe in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what does I don't, it do I don't, for you to have a bunch of ramps in your life? It doesn't do shit. I need those ramps, right? Can we stick to male versus female? That's That's my question. So I, I'm thinking male versus female. But my so feminism my includes so, ability, so, it so, includes race. my question is you for guys women. You can talk. Women can versus talk. men. Like what? What barriers do we need removed? Because that, that's my statement. I'm not. I'm not stating anything else. I'm stating women versus men. It's very silly. Like so. It's so extreme. what barriers? I just want to. The question is silly. It's not a fair question. It's how is it not a fair question? Kind of proving the point of why what people, especially black women, other people who are anybody who's not white, why we hear feminism and we don't want that label because it means. It, 
I'm just gonna say it means that. Like it means that you're you've already gone to a pinnacle of whatever you think your happiness needs or whatever your survivalist needs are when there are people on lower end who are trying to survive, who are trying to get to a point of what should be normal um, based on what other people have. It sort of sounds like you're saying feminism is not always inclusive then. Right. It's most of the time it's not inclusive. It, it, it's, it more times than not, it's, it's not. So, and within the just, Feminism space, again, they're obviously the very basic is male versus female versus, you know, but unfortunately, we've only had one subset of women be the face and voice and the academics and research and everything to be able to say, well, that's the standard we need to be in when there are other people who are still trying to get to some type of normalcy and just living. What is the biggest issue then that feminism faces? I think it's the mindset women taking like the agency, women taking initiative. I think it's mindset holding them back a lot because if you want to be in a competitive world and compete, you have to have the right mindset. And I think a lot of people blame their lack of confidence or what society tells them um, for the reason that they're not achieving what they need to achieve when that's not the case. You have to have the mindset of achieving because the men who built the world had the mindset of building it. So the women who want to engage and build that further, they need to have that same mindset. I don't think we do. I don't. I think it's like assuming that we all want to be capitalist babies. Right. I think that men are not well adjusted in the society <laughs> and no, women are not trying to re-embody what they have built for us. Mm. I think that like what we're forgetting is a very important detail, which is just like human respect and dignity yeah, that's and true. not asking people to prove what their experience is and to prove to you like it is like such conservative thinking to say like, I don't understand, explain it to me, versus just saying, I don't understand and let me respect what you are no, saying. No, I'm respecting right? wherever you starting point. I'm respecting that, I'm really respecting that. I'm saying that if you don't have the mindset you can even achieve it, you're never gonna even try. So it's but never- achieve what? Like what are we talking about? Because I feel like you projected world. this like no, capitalist achieve. ideology on every woman. Achieve whatever it is you're looking for, equality, equity. But what I'm saying is women, in the feminist space and a lot of these other spaces, we don't acknowledge that we have to take the initiative. We have to take the action. We have to have the mindset. We have to demand those things. I don't understand how we're getting so off topic. This is about feminism, feminism today. Whereas everybody wants to make this about their individual, oh, I, here are all the, the multitude of other things that factor into my person. Great, this is about feminism. It's about womanhood. I understand that all of you have your own individual experiences and, and the other things that feed into you as a person, that's perfectly fine. But this is where intersectionality falls off the planet and loses, I would argue, probably probably the vast majority of people, including me. I'm not even a feminist. I don't give a crap about feminists arguing amongst themselves about who's the most victimized, but this is annoying to listen to. I honestly just, I don't understand anything anybody's even trying to get at. Look, I just want to say that I don't think equity and this concept of competition can't coexist with each other. Equity is building more facilities for people who need them. It is recognizing that there are holes in the market and there's opportunities for women and feminine expansive people and meeting those opportunities. I, I think equity can can buoy the pre-existing system that we live in in a good way. And this is where we're gonna get to um, what I think the real feminist arguments are, are based off of policy. And abortion is the biggest one. How many of you would identify as pro-choice? Let's do a show of hands for pro-choice. I feel like pro-choice is pro-life though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and folks who identify as pro-life? 
Why do you identify as each? You've gone from legal, safe, rare, to, yeah, I'm so proud, let me beatbox in front of the Planned Parenthood, yeah, I got murder on my mind. The fact that, that it's celebrated that, that murdering uh, children, especially uh, in late-term pregnancies, is celebrated that people are so proud of themselves for mutilating a fetus is just, it, it, it blows my mind. And well, I don't think that you need yeah. to be pro-life to even take that stand. And you said late-term pregnancy. Yes. A lot of abortions do not happen I made the distinction. Oh, I made the distinction right. specifically right. because right. lots of people still celebrate. There are people who when the laws were passed actually here in right. New York, they, they said, yes, great, yes, I love the right, fact but that... But you need to ask about what are people celebrating, yeah. right? They're celebrating access. Well, we're not well, celebrating okay. killing kids. Like, that's, that's not what it why, is. Well, well see, this right? is what I'm saying. So, like, when... here's the thing. When we're talking about access to reproductive health and to abortion rights, right, and to being pro-choice, listen, that's your body, you do you. No. The child if is you not decide... your body. As I go. A baby. It's so scary for me to hear people calling like guns the biggest equalizer for women, but taking their choices away from them at a policy level. Um, Why is that? Having a gun is an equalizer. It is. Having rights is an equalizer. Yeah, having right. choice is right. an equalizer. Just like a gun right. And in this country, forms the birth policies control. that are pushed to continue perpetuating patriarchy <laughs> and anti-women, um, like taking the autonomy away from women, it is heartbreaking to see women pushing that propaganda. No, I, it's all brainwash. Like you, oh, it it's is, brainwash because you don't think, agree with no, me. No, I, because so I've been brainwashed. brainwashed. I have lived deeply institutionalized. Man, I, I have lived I, under I, Islam. I'm not interested in any of that. Like, there's no like You're not interested for in me. Human no, I'm not interested in like living thinking that like women are doing this really bad thing. Like, in it my is. religion, abortion is actually allowed. If the woman needs it, she's allowed because you know it, it's very interesting how like fundamental America is. Like, fundamentalist. This is nothing to do very, very like even religion. This is a very basic thinking. scientific yeah. human rights. We're also talking about people not having access to abortion clinics where they're doing the things themselves and they die. No. Right? We're also talking about women in the hospital who are pregnant, who have chosen to stay with their pregnancy and have issues at hospitals and hospitals that are like, oh, no, we don't do that. Listen, for whatever reason, you don't need to explain it to anybody, but a lot of times when we're talking about access to reproductive health, for me, I'm thinking about black indigenous people of color, particularly women and girls who are working class, who do not have even access to like proper sexual education. It's the oppressive state of saying, I will force you to have a child even against your own will, right? Especially when you're thinking about women and girls who, who would be forced to have these children who are already living in very traumatized and scare and scare situations. You wanna ask about barriers? That's a barrier right there. Women in poverty aren't able to access the way that rich women are, and no matter what happens, rich women are gonna keep getting abortions, and people in poverty are gonna not. And the choice, opening it up, the overruling, is marginally affecting people of color, people in poverty, way more than people who are gonna get access to those abortions. Actually anyway. incorrect, you're mis the misquote. There's actually more abortions for people in poverty, it's just a, at a lower rate. Why do you think that abortion has been so tied up in this feminism conversation? It's all just social structures set up around bodies. So if not all women are able to have babies, but it's about the barriers and value that we give to these specific bodies, right? And so if abortion happens in a woman's body, that's why this conversation is coming up. 
Can I ask you a question? Sure. You said um, that not all women are able to have babies or pregnancies. Are you saying, meaning like an infertility issue? A number of reasons. There's all kinds of reasons that not all women are having babies. Pearl, I saw your hand up. Yeah. Um, I think women want to sleep around and not have any consequence for it. Hell yeah, yeah we do. Yeah! <laughs> Yeah, instead of, you know, taking personal accountability and being on birth control, they just want to, like, do whatever they want. <sighs> you say this like it's I a think bad that's flipping. thing. Yeah. It almost sounds like you said. <laughs> Can I also ask, do you have any care to empower women, or is disempowering women part of your, like, steez? To see this as shame, insult, guilt, need to be right, okay. I, why is it empowering to sleep around? No, no, Why what I'm empowering? saying is like, I feel like you, you do like take, like the way Why you speak on women is very sort of like, ah, women just don't want to do this. Ah, women just don't have Sorry. this. Yeah, ah, yeah, women yeah, just wanted yeah, this. I and I wonder maybe why I you have so much like hatred towards women. I don't, I don't hate women. Where does that root in? It sounds I don't hate like women. you do. I am a woman. I am. I, I don't. doesn't mean you don't have self-hate. I can self be black and still be internalized exactly. racism. Exactly. Yeah, I'm her. saying specific things that you're saying. Like, women don't want to work. Women don't want to this. Mm -hmm. Women want to sleep mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. Where did you learn these uh, belief systems from? Because, okay, they, the question was, why, why does abortion keep getting brought up? 40% of women that have had abortions have had two or more. 40%. Good for so, them. So what does that say to me? That means you're using it as a form of birth control. And they don't track the 60%. What kind see, of abortion? Can you let me finish? They don't track the 60% to say who in the future has abortions. So to me, it's like, why are, they, why are they dying so hard for abortion? They want to sleep around with no consequences, even though you have 41 forms of birth control. Who does that benefit? I don't think that benefits women. I think actually that benefits men because it means that men can have sex with you without consequence. It means that you can sleep with whoever you feel like, great, but there are consequences because women are the ones who get pregnant and carry babies and give birth. It's very these are, binary these are, these are, version of yes, sex. Yes, because, because sex is binary, but, but please let me finish my point. Oh God. <laughs> It's tricking women into thinking that aborting a pregnancy, terminating pregnancy, is something to be celebrated, when in reality, for a lot of women, especially those who are doing it under duress, say that they've been raped, or that, you know, in, in, this, in the small circumstances where something really traumatic has happened to them, that's a medical decision. Or, or say that they're, they're miscarrying and then they have to, you know, have a, a, an assisted termination. That's a medical procedure. It's not a celebration of, oh, look at the... The idea, the, the sort of like moral setting of that it needs to be rare is, uh, I think the delineation between that's a medical abortion and that's like a fun abortion is really interesting because they're all medical. It's all a medical procedure. And so no matter what you're doing, going in there and getting it, like that's, it's, it's not like, oh, you're only allowed two. It's just like, you should just be able to get a medical procedure done when it's something that you need done. We shouldn't be desensitized to taking someone's life. That should never be an empowering factor for a woman. I definitely agree in that, like, there should be no absolute thing any woman should do. There should not be an absolute response to incest or rape or any of these things. Every woman should have the choice of if they want to or not want to carry that child, whether it is having fun, getting raped, incest, whatever it is. It is. I don't glorify and glamorize abortion. I think it's a very traumatic thing. I doubt that if somebody wants, has to do, like, if they have to do it, they'll do it. I don't think that people are like, you know, um, doing like have six, get the seventh free and having fun with it. Um, and I think that like glamorization and glorification of any side is not okay. Did the Dobbs decision 
make anybody here uh, sort of rethink abortion, abortion access, reproductive health care? It's anti-woman, right? It's anti, it does not center people to have that voice for themselves and their own decisions, right? It is a barrier, right? <laughs> It's giving, more, it it's giving more agency to women because it's moving it back to the state level. So locally, but why would the state have locally, the, the women, to tell me what to do? Locally, it the women have that power. Areas. If you take out the, the, the viewpoint that life begins at conception, which is a, a really big defining principle for both uh, the pro-life crowd, who very, very you know, vehemently believe that, and then obviously a lot of the pro-choice crowd do not believe that. Taking that out of the equation, you do not have just whatever kind of autonomy you want as a person, it's regardless of male or female. You can't just have free run to do whatever the hell you want. That's not how society operates. So at, no point, at no point do I have the right to tell anyone in this room what they should or should not do with their body. But it's not about your body. It's not about me respecting the question here. It's not about your body. It's about the kid's body. I, I don't care what you do with it's your in body. It's my body. It's, right? it's, we're it's, talking it's, about talking my about, body. Well, you're talking we're about not Jordan, I saw your hand creep up. <sighs> the Dobbs decision for me reinforced how important it is that we approach these issues from a cultural perspective because it reinforces something that I have told uh, many of my colleagues and peers in the past, which is that so long as you lack a cultural consensus, any issue, any issue can become a political football that can be decided by another election cycle. And so long as there is no strong consensus, uh, I would expect this to be our reality going forward. These extremely vitriolic and aggressive conversations until there's another miraculous consensus that brought about Roe v. Wade. But what it more or less reinforced for me is that we're going to have more of these difficult conversations. I want to talk about transgender issues. Should go. trans women be included in feminist conversations? How about in women's spaces? Yes, they're women. What's the question? Pearl, trans women are women. Um, so I, I want to come at this from the um, position of an athlete. Oh, Jesus. Um, so, so I play semi-pro basketball, semi-pro volleyball. So when it comes to like athletic spaces, I don't think that trans women should be allowed into athletic spaces because I don't think it's a fair... Um, I think we, as female athletes, we work so incredibly hard for the little opportunity there is in women's sports. Would this be a like, barrier for like this, There's no barrier. There's less opportunity in some industries. That's, That's what a barrier is. There's less... It's not... No, no, no. It's That's based on the market. Okay. Hold Hold on, hold on, guys. Okay. So, again, we work very hard for the little opportunity there is in the space because we're not as entertaining as the men. Sorry, we're just not. And so it's like you're going to take the little opportunity that we're given. And the problem is, like, it, we can't compete. We can't. Like, I, I'm six foot. If I go up against a six foot guy and I play basketball with him, he's going to body me. And even what happens if, if I go even up against you? Even, 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 even if I have years more of training. And so it's like you're taking away the little opportunity that we're given and we all work so hard for, and you're just giving it back to biological guys. It's like this will be the end of women's sports. Have Eli, you tried confidence? Uh, Eli, hold on, Minnie. <laughs> Sorry, Eli. confidence can't make me bench what a guy benches. I don't confidence can't make you me guys six, are seven. so hostile. She's sharing her and experience can't make in me six, a specific No, she's field. sharing And I'd have to go. No, she's yeah. not. She's, she's, she's a woman who's had no, an experience. You guys are so obsessed with your own experiences and your own existence. And yet when a woman is sitting here telling you, I feel as though this is unfair and this is compromising and this situation is not helping women, you guys are like, but when you're like, I'm a black person that did 
this, 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 and this, then it's va valid and, and fair and viable. Eli, I want to give you the chance to respond. Um, so this is basically a joke of a talking point. Everyone has biological advantages in sports. How, how tall are you? Um, five eleven and a half. I'm yeah, tall. I'm I'm five foot eight. Mm -hmm. I am a trans woman. I you would crush me. You would absolutely yeah, crush bone me. density, wrist strength, yeah. muscle density. You can't switch those. Yeah, exactly. You would crush me. But also, Eli, you would never play at the level that Pearl plays because um, you would never get there. So let me give you a few more examples here too. So Michael Phelps produced more lactic acid in his body, which caused him to swim better than any of his competitors. This was widely celebrated, and. Nobody contested it. Now, this is in performance-enhancing hormone. So we all have different bodies. And now I'm not saying that trans women who aren't on hormones should participate, but there are, I mean, every major medical and every major sports organization agrees that trans women who have been on hormones for between one and three years, depending on the organization, have the same competitive abilities. That's, that, the study that you're referencing had like seven people participated. That's misinformation, not, by the that way. I'm referencing several different studies. I'm a trans woman and a researcher. It's getting this, personal. This I don't want thing, it to though, be personal. A lot personal. of us live in this space where we're told that our sure. opinions don't count because they're not the right kind of opinions. And we're constantly shouted over and talked over regardless of what we look like because there's one group in society that basically takes precedence and it's frustrating. So yeah, of course, <laughs> it's, it's, it's frustrating because so when we try to talk <laughs> about it, we get I'm shouted down, we get so. told to be quiet, we, we get we get spooked down too as well. Okay, so yeah, there's hostility there for plenty of women. Let's try to make this an opportunity to speak. <laughs> you're literally with each a white woman then. from Australia. You live in a bubble and you're pissed that voices that have been silenced forever finally can be heard. That's why they have the voice because they speak up. Okay, we're having a conversation about transgender women participating in sports, and I wanted to allow more people to participate. Jordan, I wanted to hear from you. So I am not a professional athlete. It, the closest thing I have ever done to anything athletic was I used to do competitive show choir when I was younger. And um, I don't feel really qualified to make carte blanche statements about whether or not trans women should compete in every kind of sport. And I understand that that is kind of, that's a hard pill to swallow. And for me, my first inclination is to approach everything through a lens of inclusivity. But at the same time, I also can't speak accurately to every kind of sport and the different things that go into it. So I really think in these instances, the decisions are best left up to the professional governing bodies that dictate these particular sports. I just feel like in places, as an ally, in places where there's no understanding, we can just respect and not really like, our opinions don't fucking matter. Eli, I saw you nodding your head over there. Several times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, th this is more than about sports. This is about um, free, free and equal participation for transgender people in social life. And the right sees this as a socially acceptable way to begin to remove trans people from different engagements in our society. So it does just start with sports or bathrooms or locker rooms, something that they find is more acceptable. And then at this point, they started to move into education, getting trans teachers fired, banning trans books. This is a route that um, is very effective because it's seen as more acceptable. Um, but it's also overlooking a lot of major details. Like, I mean, do y'all know how many um, trans women have won national titles? 
shape. One too many. One. It's one too it's many. Leah Thomas is the only one. One too many. If, if one woman, too many? <laughs> if, if women's sports were actually going to end in some way, um, I mean, it's just not happening. Wouldn't you think there would be more trans women in sports when the majority of states do allow trans women full participation? International titles, zero. No um, global titles have ever been won by a trans woman. I want to move on, on to a different topic. I want to talk about Me Too and sort of this social movement that we've lived through, we're living through right now. What is the state of feminism sort of in this post-Me Too era? We're in post-Me Too? All right. <laughs> Tell me. Um, sorry, I got distracted by the Me Too part. Uh, so I was like, we're in post-Me Too? Wow. Like, no one's getting like sexually harassed anymore. Like, <laughs> we did it, world. guys. We solved the right? problem. We want that world. Um, no, I, I, I think obviously the, the state of feminism is very much reflected right in this room. But me too for me, right, in a particular context means something for different people. It's a different experience for different people. In, in my culture and in my community, we're still working through that. There is no post Me Too, right? We're still working through how do we have these tough conversations? How do we teach not just, you know, women, but everyone about consent? What does consent look like? What does that look like in our community? What does that not look like? Right, all those things that I think it's still very complicated. But I think it starts at the level of community, right, of like how do we have these conversations around consent? Sydney, I saw your hand up. So uh, when the Me Too thing was unfolding, I was initially like, great, I love the idea of women being able to speak out. What's been really disappointing, I suppose, for me, post Me Too, as, as we're calling it, is that, and especially as someone who's sort of on the right wing of politics, um, I think that a lot of the experiences of women on the right get a bit trivialized because there is a lot of politicizing of sexual assault. So when something legitimately happens on our side of the table and someone tries to speak up about it, there's almost an automatic disbelief and I understand why it's because of the believe all women type of stuff that, that came out of the Me Too movement that a lot of us were like wait a minute no no people do use these situations for gain people do make things up people do lie but it is sad to watch it happen it makes me sad that we're here Jordan I feel like there'll never be a post Me Too because at the heart of it, Me Too is just a phrase. The spirit of what Me Too represented will always be relevant, and that is that you are empowering individual women to advocate for themselves and speak out when they feel like they're being wrong. Ideally, you're just trying to be the most transparent and self-accountable person you can be, and you need to hit all of those fronts, If again, if you want it to last on a cultural level. How about beauty standards? We, we talked a little bit about this, this got brought up at the beginning. How does that tie into femininity? Sorry, I'm very into this idea because I do think it is one of the larger intersections that just doesn't get very discussed, which is like I was talking about before, barriers and friction are placed up around bodies. And the fatter I get, the older I get, the less people will listen to me, the less value I will have for society. So, you know, I'm already starting out as a woman with no legs. If I had something on my face, I have my beauty. That's one of my privileges. I have my whiteness. That's one of my privileges. I used to have thinness and now I'm getting fatter. Things are changing. And I think every single time that we talk about feminism, um, pretty privilege should be discussed because we have these ideas. If you, your skin tone is this, 
if your hair is this, if your body looks like that. It's about whether or not you are given um, an equal opportunity based on what you look like. I saw a pro. Um, I think up. a lot of times the women that complain about beauty standards don't complain about them when they got privilege when they were young and attractive and thin. So it's like, yeah, you're complaining when the privilege is gone, but privilege is complain. but privilege is invisible to those who have it. And women, it's it's a privilege. And men don't turn 18 and get looks that we get. As a black woman, uh, one of the most integral parts of the beauty conversation has become has been colorism. Um, I'm a dark-skinned black woman, proud of it and proud of being myself. Um, for the most part, I did not. Why am I going to cry about this? Mm -hmm. I did not grow up thinking I was beautiful because I was that. And I think in the black in the black space, um, we have these conversations. But I think I'm kind of glad, I'm glad you're bringing it up because I think feminists actually really should be part of the colorism topic because colorism is not just shades within being black. It shades because they're again the beauty standard is the closer to whiteness you are, the more beautiful you are. I think it's something that if more people in different shades, particularly white women, because of knowing that standard and we work together on that, then we have a lot, I think something we can unify on, but also something that we can make strides in right now that I'm just not seeing and it's only again it's that's why people feel like you have to be a black feminist because it's, an, it's a topic that only really black feminists are talking about because it deals with being black. Hmm. How, how do beauty standards make you feel, Morris? I mean, kind of what you're saying, um, Antonia, as a black Latina woman in my community, right? Like I grew up and I was ugly, right? Like that's what I was considered. I was not considered beautiful of feeling ugly, but also being told I was, right? Had a lot to do with what is believed in my community, right? Colorism is one of them. And so to say, I'm gonna redefine beauty for myself and to say, I own myself and I get to decide what's beautiful, right? And I get to decide what I wanna wear and how I wanna wear it. And I don't need to, right? It's, it's, it's almost a repelling, right? Like, I'm like, no, you know what? I am beautiful. I'm gonna do what I wanna do and I'm gonna feel myself because if no one else is gonna feel me, it's on me to feel me too. I gotta say though, I did grow up being referred to as very beautiful for a woman with a disability. And that to me always fed this idea that disability doesn't mean beautiful. I am in some form of exceptionalism, which I then had to keep up with forever. So it's like, I got this thought as I started to age, like, you can have no legs, but you better not fucking get fat. And so this idea that like, there are certain people who are beautiful and certain people who aren't, and that inherently holds value is, I think, you know, find it in yourself, yes, and. Jordan? Beauty standards are toxic bullshit hierarchical nonsense. <laughs> and I say that as someone who has spent over a year collectively of my life in eating disorder institutions because I have tried to put my body through hellish things to meet these beauty standards, which more often than not are not based in reality. They're typically trends, they're created to push things, they're extremely useful for marketing, but they don't serve anyone's health, they don't serve anyone's self-esteem, they only act to try and tell us that there's a allegedly right way to have a body, and if you don't occupy that space and have that body, then you're a piece of shit.
which is absolute nonsense. And there are way too many women and men in the world who end up doing terrible things to themselves because they fall into this trap of thinking that you have to be this way. And if you aren't this way, then there's something inherently wrong at your core, which is nonsense. You're perfect the way you are. That's, that's, that's literally the core of it. You are perfect the way you are. And anyone who tries to tell you otherwise is feeding into this industry and is just, they are not your friend or looking out for you. Layla? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, beauty in the industry is exploitative. Um, but also, we have to remember a lot of the beauty standards are based around health, what's perceived as health, like symmetry, um, certain weights, things like that. So there is that side where we have to balance it. And I think we're seeing so much more representation, which I think is incredibly important. Well, I just think that, like, if women really cared about beauty standards, like the obesity rate wouldn't be what it is. But what Let's about try you? to maintain the beauty standards. I don't, I mean, I just think like some people are more attractive, some people are less attractive, and that's just, you know, where, where would I rate myself one to 10? Oh, like, whatever, you know, it's okay. That's what, that's what I mean. Like, I just think like some people so are more attractive. So if you are overweight, you don't care about beauty standards, well, is that right? The, like the point is that the beauty standard is thin, right? Your yeah, standard? Obesity comes from men and women though. Yeah, you're right. That's true. But I'm saying if women really wanted to fit the beauty standard, they would be thin. I know. I just, from my experience as well, is growing up again in a mostly white neighborhood where, but I was always comparing myself to literally other people who have a different body type, but I wasn't, I was considered other or to something because it didn't conform to that body type. When that same body type became popular to, with Kim Kardashian, the Kardashians who are different right, <laughs> than me, let's just say, our different skin color, right? Um, and there's a lot of animosity, I, I, and a lot of you know, black communities of the fact that um, when it was on black skin, it was an issue, but when it was on Kim Kardashian and the Kardashians, it was a billion dollar business. Yep. Our time together has almost come to an end. We sort of started talking about feminism, big picture, we're gonna try again. Is feminism dead? I think feminism is alive. And I'm thankful to be a participant and believer of it. I would say as far as the West goes, I think that feminism has been cannibalized by other movements like leftism, like transgenderism. So I, I think feminism is very much alive and well. I think it takes different forms depending on who you're talking to, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And as I've defined in the beginning, for me, I use it as a lens. So I, I don't think I'll ever stop having it in my, my arsenal, if you will. It makes for a good vice panel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're done. I appreciate everybody taking the time. I know this is, um, it got a little heated at times, but thank you all for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks. Can I stand up now? Oh my God. Our reaction. Oh. Really done? I love arguing. I don't think I have sat long enough. That was wild. I mean, drama. It was nerve-wracking. Some of the people on the panel were entirely subsumed in misinformation. I think that we women need to stick together and, <laughs> and, and figure out what a woman is. We were all loud, outspoken women. Some people are soft. <laughs> I hate the idea that we're not supposed to be angry about it. It's okay to be angry <laughs> about being oppressed. It was like surprising to get tone policed on camera by a white woman. I don't know why everything has to become about 
me being a white person as if that somehow circumvents my opinions on issues. The personal is political, the political is personal. We need to have more spaces where we have literal political ideologies of different backgrounds. Feminism is always and has been a hate group. Feminism isn't dead in America. I think feminism is doing its best. I'm ready for a glass of wine. <laughs>